0: So listen, as you can see, I got my purpose-driven uh, life books. Uh, what on earth are we here for is the series we're in? I got my trusty coffee mug. I'm at my table. I'm actually doing my best Rick Warren impression this morning. I'm try to do it a little bit different. You know how hard it is for me to keep still, to not rove around right now, but we're in a different environment this morning, so we'll do the best we can uh, uh, and make Rick Warren proud this morning. Uh, so, listen, I'm so glad most of you, uh, so many of you, are in small groups and you're journeying through the material with us, and so many insights and different things popping up. Um, one lady told me she can't help but highlight almost every other line in the book, and that's how you wanna go about reading this book. You wanna interact with it, you want the Holy Spirit to speak, illuminate different things for you. And so far we've covered three of the purposes, like what on earth am I here for, which is a question that people far from God and people near to God are asking. There were so many people at the beginning of this series when we were in the sanctuary and I asked, I said, how many of you know what you were born to do? What is your purpose? And there were like hundreds of hands that flew up of people who didn't know. And um, you'll remember Coco said to me, and I shared this with you guys, that she had read in the material somewhere that Rick Warren or some of the other authors had said that the, the two most important dates are when you give your life to the Lord and when you find out why you were born. And, and that is important because otherwise we sort of aimlessly go through life, through trial and error, a lot of speculation, a lot of guessing as to what we do. And so how I many you know we don't have enough life? to give ourselves to trial and error. We want to have a revelation Of the Holy Spirit. And I'm praying that over these six weeks, that as we dive into the material, and as you're reading the book during the course of the week, following along these messages on Sunday as a companion, those of you that are in small groups, having having like a learning community where where there's different points of view and the material is hitting you differently, and the Holy Spirit is advancing all of you in such a way that hopefully you are beginning to see a light at the end of the tunnel and beginning to get a glimpse of, okay, at least I know now the power. Pathway is illuminated for me to move toward purpose. I mean, once you discover purpose, which is, to me, the most important thing, because you need to know what your purpose is before you find out who you're going to marry. Because who you marry is is important to accomplishing your purpose in life. I thank God that Coco and I are yoked together in Christ. Therefore, we can fulfill the purposes of God together, and I want that for all of you that are single. I want that for you who are 80. I want it for everybody to have a sense of purpose. The first week we went in, we discovered that we were planned for God's pleasure, and that's worship. Second week, we found that we were formed for God's family, which is fellowship and that those relational connections and ties that we have with one another. Last week, Andrew did a great job We're to become like Christ. Our third purpose is discipleship. So we got worship, we got fellowship, and we got discipleship. And so we want to move on this week to number four. And so as we do that, open your Bible, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. And normally we would have a package together. Scriptures would be on screen. But because we had to pivot it's such a quick Um, sort of turn around to make this message available. We sort of don't have those things available to you this morning, but I'll give you enough time to look into scriptures and I'll read slow enough where you can follow along. So if you're taking notes, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says this, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. I want you to go back for a minute. We're God's workmanship, so God created us. It's like in one translation, it says we're God's masterpiece says that he created us in Christ, that when we came into Christ, salvation, restore relationship, reconcile with God, that we were to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, that's important for you to understand that that in coming to Christ, God has already laid out sort of a pathway for you and I to not just come in and enjoy salvation, which is great, and being reconciled to the Father which is great. And being in the family together is great because sometimes our biological families were very hurtful, dysfunctional, and trauma-ridden. And so now we come into Christ, our spiritual family, and having those connections is a huge, huge blessing. But he also has prepared for us as a family and as individuals, he's prepared work for us to do in advance. That means in advance, before you met Jesus, when you were still wilding out, when you were doing whatever you were doing, he had already laid a pathway out for you to return, be reconciled, and then to be found useful in his kingdom and have purpose. Job chapter 10 and verse 8 says it this way. Job records, he says, your hands shaped me and made me. I wonder if you thought about this very much, that that you are unique, you're a unique gift, You have unique abilities and capabilities and talents and passions. You have a unique story, a unique journey, all of these experiences. You are rich in All of these blessings that God is giving, even the difficult moments of your life, even the hurtful moments of your life, when given over to the Lord, gathering up all of those fragments given to the Lord, it creates an opportunity for you to be a part of this grand narrative that he is writing called the redemption of humankind. And so Rick Warren and and Saddleback uses an acronym called SHAPE, which the S is spiritual gifts, H is heart and passion. The A is abilities, and P, personality, E, experiences. So again, your shape accompanies your purpose or your assignment, and that's your spiritual gifts. Everybody has a spiritual gift. All of you have heart for something or someone or some initiative. There's something that is passion that you are passionate about. All of us has some type of ability, we have different and unique personality styles, and we have a diverse mix of experiences of every kind. All of that makes you unique, and there's a unique role that you are called to fill in the world, or more importantly, locally, here at East Hill. There is a place that your shape works. How many remember when the kids were little and they used to have um, this this ball with all the geometric shapes in it, and you'd have a triangle and a square and a circle. And And as the kids learn, each of these pieces, they fit into this puzzle, and they all end up in the center of the ball. I started thinking about how you and I are shaped through life, and God doesn't waste anything, not one moment, not one tear, not one experience, good, bad, or ugly. Everything is used to create this opportunity for you to be used to bring God glory in the way that he has shaped you. And so one of the ways that we do this is we take all of our talents and our gifts, which are not primary for our benefit. They are for the benefit of others. And so we're called, as it were, of 1 Peter 4 and 10 says it this way, each one of you should use whatever gift he's received to serve others. Others focus, which is completely the opposite of our culture, and we'll get into that in a little bit. So the fourth purpose in my life is to serve God by serving others. So I serve God by serving others, and that is called ministry. Each of you has a ministry. It's not me as a pastor, and I'm the minister, and only the only people that have ministry are those that are in vocational ministry. Only two to five percent of people are called in the full-time you know, vocational ministry, the rest of us as ministers, which by the way, the entire body of Christ, all of you that have named the name of Jesus Christ, you are a minister. Now, some of you may have a grace to minister to 5,000, 10,000, or be on stages, but everybody is a minister of at least one person. And in the Greek, the word ministry is synonymous with the word serve. So guess what? Each of us gets to serve, whether it's the stay-at-home mom that's serving her children and then has enough space to allow another single mom in the community to come in. And all of a sudden they have coffee dates while the kids are having nursery time or while the kids are having nap time. And there's ministry going forward. There's always an opportunity for you and I to serve someone. So when you start thinking about this idea that I'm called into ministry, I'm called to minister, it just simply means that you're called to serve. Whether that's in your cubicle, whether that's in your classroom, whether that's out on the soccer field, standing in the rain, or as it were, in the snow, (laughs) Um, either way, we're called to serve. So lots of people want to serve God without serving others. Let me just say that it's impossible because the only way you can serve God is by serving others. Remember what Jesus was saying toward the end times and the righteous had been gathered to him and, it, and you know, there was different works that had been done. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 37 through 40, says it this way. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes And clothe you. When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And then the king will reply, truly, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. When we serve, when we love, when we encourage, when we lift up, when we bless any human being created in God's image. God says literally when you do it for them, you're doing it for me. And so that sort of reframes this idea that ministry only happens in this building and in this space, that, that somehow now that's a part of it. we gather here weekly, and there's a lot of good things that happen in this space and a lot of opportunity for us to exercise our gifts through serving other people. But I don't want you to limit your gift to once a week or in this building. Like right now, we're not in the building. And yet you can minister to your family. You can minister to others in your community. You're always on assignment to minister for the glory of God. Amen? And what would the world look like if we weren't selective about who we served? And if that, if that we literally threw our life across the line and said, God, use us as kingdom currency to be spent any way you see fit to serve others. What a blessing that would be. So listen, the other day, I was filming a podcast and um, down in down in Folsom with Jesus Culture, and I was supposed to take an hour and thirty flight to get home, but because of the weather, it took me nine hours. And I went to San Diego by the way, so from Sacramento to San Diego, back up to Portland after hours and hours and hours. But it was so inconvenient, and it was such an interruption; it was ticking me off. I finally started sermon prepping. And as I did, I got into some of Rick Warren's notes, and this point came up right away is that you and I need to understand that a lot of times we need an attitude adjustment in order to get into the position to be of service to other people. And, and the reason I say that is because a lot of what we see in Jesus' ministry, um, we see Jesus's attitude on display, even though he is being vilified, even though he is being persecuted, he stays servant-minded, and his attitude never shifts his entire ministry. The Bible says in Matthew 20 and 28, here's Jesus, your attitude must be like my own, for I did not come to be served, but to serve. In our culture, we don't value servants, In fact, we treat, listen, the worst time to be in the service industry in in a lot of cities and a lot of places is right after church because church people are coming out and and we are notorious for not treating servants well in the service industry. And so not at East Hill, that's other churches around town. You are great service and excellent tippers. Hello, somebody. And so there is this idea that everybody's trying to climb out of the position of serving. We want to level up. So we no longer have to serve and that somebody is serving us. And we see Jesus traveling in a different pathway downward, so much so that he washed the feet of his own disciples, those that he had created and given the breath of life to, he was washing their feet. And so we must realign, as it were, to Jesus and who came to serve and not to be served and let that be our heart's ambition and a new attitude adjustment, right? Right? So, so then you'd have to ask yourself a couple questions, and I wrote these down in my notes. It's like, so why are you here at East Hill? Did you come to serve, to help, participate, collaborate with others, or to be served? Now, now here's the truth of the matter. Everybody comes to a church as a consumer first, and then we transition from being consumers where it's all about us to being contributors where we become a part of those who offer something to other people. And so for as long as you, if, you've, if you're new here and you're still checking and kicking the, you know, kicking the tires to see who we are, what we're about, that's right, that's thoughtful. That, you should do that prayerfully and consider what God has for you. But if you've been here months and months and maybe years and you haven't engaged in ministry, then you've got to really begin to ask yourself, do I have the mind or the attitude that Christ has? Because all of us, if we're still here, still breathing, still able to get to this building on a weekly basis, it means that we have capabilities, we have a story, we have gifts that could be used to make this place a better place for others who are far from God, who are coming in. One of the ladies said to me recently in the foyer, and I I don't watch the children in our ministry, and you're glad that I don't. Um, But she came to me in the foyer and had tears in her eyes, and she said, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I meant to tell Rebecca this because it was her. It was in in the children's area, the smaller ones. Somebody had held her baby, given her, you know, what is it, 45 minutes, if pastor's not talking too much, um, of space, to be able to minister to, to make some hard decisions that she has to make. And the word of God met her. Not only that, but there were people all around her, she said, that wouldn't leave her alone. They were loving her. And, um, and her child was blessed. The, the most precious person in her life was her baby. And um, she just thanked me and I want to thank our team because they are those that have an attitude that's been adjusted, that are not here to be served, but to serve, to make sure that they are no longer consuming, that they are contributing. Right now, I got a man sitting that got up at seven this morning to get behind his camera, get this all set up so we could get the word of God out to you. That's an attitude. That's a heart that's using everything he's got for the mission of God here in our house. And what a blessing it is. And so, you and I have got to adjust our attitudes. Listen, let me say it this way, and I think Rick says it also in one of his chapters, a non-serving believer is a contradiction. Because Jesus, if we're following Jesus, he's going to lead us right to a basin and towels down on our knees to proverbially wash the feet of our generation whether it be the young people who went to the one conference and had a blast even though there was snow and ice and had to ski kind of in cars down there. All of these acts of service contribute to getting people before the gospel that transforms their life, and then more people come and get turned on and more people serve, and this thing begins to create momentum in the world we live in, or the city that we live in, or Rwanda, the city where we're helping to partner in, is transformed to the glory of God. And so the goal is, is that we serve like Jesus served. So let's take a look at how Jesus serves. So number one, serving like Jesus means being available. Say availability. Touch somebody in your house right now and say available. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll give you a second to do it. So Matthew chapter 20 and verse 30 says this, two blind men shouted, Lord, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. And so I don't know if you've ever read this portion of Scripture. Jesus was not on their way, on the way to heal these two blind men. It wasn't on his agenda. It wasn't a part of what he was doing that day. They called out to him. Jesus stopped heading in another direction away from them, turned to them, and gave them what they had petitioned for. I wonder if we're missing some opportunities to serve because we're just not available or willing to be interrupted. I know, if you're like me, you're a one-track mind, you got something on your mind, you're trying to get it done, you don't want to be interrupted. I surely got up that morning, Thursday morning, thinking I would be home to see my hot cocoa before 9 o'clock that night. But there was a detour, there was an interruption, and I started doing my sermon notes in the airport and ran across this point, and immediately the conviction of the Holy Spirit came on me because, okay, God, I'm not able to get home. The center of the world is not my travel schedule what I desire. Is there something today that is necessary in your kingdom for your glory as I'm traveling to San Diego? And sure enough, as I was sitting at the airport, this young couple came in, and the little, the young lady, they were a young couple, that the young lady was just bawling. And I literally looked up from my, from my iPad and said, there it is. And so I started interceding quietly for them. And then I just went over and said, do you mind if I can pray for you? Right in the airport, right in Terminal 20, I think it is in San Diego, uh, Alaska's terminal, and had an opportunity to pray for this couple. I didn't ask a whole bunch of probing questions. I don't know why she was crying. I didn't get into all that. But I noticed that when I went over and said, hey, my name is Keith, I'm a Christian, I love to pray for you. They immediately said yes, please. And I prayed, uh, just a general prayer, trusting that the Holy Spirit would do it and, or what, whatever they needed and moved on. It could be that simple but I don't know what's going to happen. I'll only know where that prayer went in eternity when the Lord unveils how he used that moment. But there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of moments like that in all of our lives where we get interrupted. And in fact, uh, Rick Warren in his material says that we ought to stop and go through the New Testament and just do a survey at all the places where Jesus was stopped or interrupted by people and the miracles that ensued during those interruptions that maybe were closer at these interruptions, the supernatural uh, gifts being used on display and supernatural moments happening in people's lives when we're willing to be interrupted. But we gotta be available to the Lord in those moments. The truth be told is most of us, including me, we're super busy. We're running from one thing to the next. We're preoccupied with our agenda and the things that we gotta get done and our kids and all of the, the list of things that on a weekly basis you got to get done. And you know what I think? I think we got to live a little more with some margin in our lives so that because I think we're missing moments of interruption that are loaded with divine capability and possibilities. Potential there to see God move in miraculous ways if we weren't so stretched, if we weren't running so fast. Maybe if we asked the Lord to help us with our schedules, we'd have a little more margin space as it were that would allow us to be frequent to allow us to just turn our heads just a little bit to see someone else or some situation that maybe just maybe we could intervene and serve there's a couple of obstacles to to us not being available and uh, for the lord's agenda one of them is just outright self-centeredness That we're the center of our own worlds and we want people to hear us and validate us and we got important stuff going on and it's all me, 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 my time, my money, my schedule, I'm busy and there's not enough space for others in our lives and so we've got to really fight This spirit that would drive us to be self-centered and to become others-focused the way that Jesus was. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4 in one translation says it this way. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand to others. If we could just get ourselves out of the way, we could be a greater blessing than what we'd ever know. And thereby have greater satisfaction, fulfillment, and a sense of purpose in our lives when we got unhooked from ourselves. Amen? So then the second piece is, is I think the first obstacle is self-centeredness. That's an American thing. That's a Western thing. We don't necessarily live in community or see ourselves dependent on one another in that way. And so let's really ask the Holy Spirit to help us to get away from the self-centered heart and mentality. And then secondly... Let's make sure that we aren't trying to move in perfectionism, which means I'm not going to do anything unless I can be excellent at it and do the best that I can to at it. And so, no, 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 but we just want to be available. We don't want to have everything you do be rooted in value by performance. In other words, you derive value because you get affirmation for something you did. Again, notice how self-centeredness creeps into everything, even our perfectionism. We say, I want to do a good job, and I want a spirit of excellence for the Lord. And yet there's also a piece of that, that we want external validation for something that we've done as well. And so let's move away from those areas and let's just say, Lord, I want to be available. In fact, why don't you say that right now in your house out loud, Lord, we want to be available for what you would have for us. That would mean that the Lord may have to rearrange some of your priorities on your schedule so that he can have some of that room in your day. Amen. So number two, serving like Jesus means being grateful. There's never been anybody that served the Lord and served him well, served him faithful over time that wasn't out of a heart of gratitude. Psalms 102 says, serve the Lord with gladness, not sadness or madness. Serve the Lord with gladness. I don't know about you, but even in the worst of times, there is a part of me when we're difficult, ministry is difficult. You get lonely and isolated and things happen. And just like in your life, you're struggling as a mom or a dad or a husband or wife. There, there's just gotta be something in you that even on your worst day, you could say as a believer, but God, you have loved us, you chose us, or me in particular, make it personal. You love me, you chose me, you saved me, you forgave me from my past. There's, there's gotta be a sense of gratitude that starts welling up in your heart. The moment you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to serving at the same time. And you serve not from a sense of servitude or duty or fear. We're serving from a heart of gratitude. There's so many stories in our church, stories of recovery, stories of brokenness and abandonments and all types of traumas where you know it was the Lord who ministered to you. It was the Lord who lifted you up. It was the Lord that brought healing in your life. It was the Lord that brought your wife and your spouse who brought another level of healing in your life or a community of faith. It, all of these things. I don't know about you, but every Sunday, I'm standing there in worship. And, and I usually come in after your worship. I come down to the front. And usually Arlen, I got to duck Arlen's right hand because he tends to worship and throw his hands up this way. And I come around that corner, and the first thing I do is I see my wife Next thing I do is I look over and chances are I've got grandkids and my son-in-law and my daughter. And sometimes I look up on the stage and my other daughter's there. And then I think to myself, my son is down serving in Wayne's ministry. And it can't, you know, whatever went wrong, whatever the challenges are, there's still a sense of gratitude when I start walking up those steps that I get to serve him in this way. And so that's, how you've got to begin to move and develop the same attitude that Christ has, that there's a sense of gratitude. I look around this building, and I see retired people. I see young people that have just given their their life to the Lord that are learning about the things of God, serving coffee to everybody. I see young people taking another generation of middle schoolers and high schoolers, trying to raise them up while trying to navigate the world themselves. All of this with such great hearts and joy. No one serves without a sense of thanksgiving and gratitude for very long. And even when nobody is thanking them, even when nobody is patting them on the back, they are literally happy to do it. Most of the weeks, you wouldn't know this, but most of the weeks, I come out and look outside, and somewhere during the course of the week, I see this lone female figure walking around our property. You know who it is? It's Connie. She comes, and she prays over our church property and our services and everyone every week. She doesn't do that out of duty. Nobody, She she would be upset that I'm even telling you that right now. But that's a part of her shape. That's a part of her design to be an intercessor and prayer warrior, and it serves the body. It's an unseen thing, which, by the way, half the things that are done are unseen. You would not see these tremendous acts of service that help us become a great community of faith and do the things that we do but you got to be somebody that has a grateful heart or you won't serve. Now, here's the last one I want to give you. Serving like Jesus means being faithful. Say faithful. Yeah. Consistent. Faithful over time. John chapter 17 verse 4 says it this way. I brought you glory on earth by completing, say completing, the work you gave me to do. This is Jesus. He said, "I gave you I brought glory to you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do." Jesus was faithful to complete what God gave him to do. Now, sometimes we can be great starters, but poor finishers. We don't finish what we start. We get in the middle of it, and it gets hard. It gets difficult. Uh, the resources start looking scarce. Whatever happens, but, but how many of you know, you're going to have to endure some things and be faithful you're not going to be married in the first five years and have this great, deep relationship. No, that comes through year after year. That comes through conflict, forgiving, compromising over decades, and being faithful even when the feelings aren't there. And so that's, that's a huge piece of what we want to do. We want to bring glory to God by fulfilling our assignments the way that Jesus did, or the way that Paul says, at the end, I finished the race, I finished my course, I've kept the faith. There's this idea that you and I have to have a long-term point of view that says, God, no matter what, I'm serving you. I don't care who stops. I don't care what changes in the world. I don't care how things move or don't move. I don't care who's the pastor, who's not. You remain the Lord. And so if you're the Lord, I want to continue to serve in your kingdom and serve alongside of you and serve your people. There is seasons where you will be tested, the seasons where things are hard, where there's not a lot of fruitfulness that can be seen externally. And and so you're going to have to really start redefining what we call success or fruitfulness. Success and fruitfulness is obedience to the call. God didn't promise that if you obeyed, he was going to make you so fruitful that everybody would see it. Mm -mm. What he does test is your motive and your character to see if you're going to be faithful over the long haul. Once you discover your purpose, that's an exciting moment. It's like having a baby. It's like, look, this is my purpose. Got you. And then you have to spend the rest of your life in pursuit of your calling and being faithful over time. And that's some of what i've seen here i mean i could think of i could start listing the names like 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 Randy Landall somebody that that literally has been here for years church council serving as executive pastor now but you 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 would have seen him when i first got here he was fixing everything making sure that our maintenance was together oh as a volunteer almost 40 hours a week you you can't you can't replace those kind of people that kind, where does that come from? That doesn't come because I'm patting him on his back and I'm taking him to coffee every week. Mm-mm. He wants something much more than that. He wants to hear from the Lord at the end of his life, well done thou good and, watch this, faithful servant. That means you were faithful through every season. And that's what it takes to serve like Jesus. Not in a season when the emotions are high and everything's going good and everybody looks good, everybody's seeing you. No, no, no. What if nobody sees you but the Lord? What if nobody acknowledges you but the Lord? Will you still be faithful? Yeah, because you're doing it for him, not for people. People may benefit. They may be a blessing. And it's great when they affirm and they encourage us. But we can't be addicted and connected to their affirmation in their moods, because if that's the case, then our service will go up and down. But if it's for the Lord, who never changes, is the same yesterday and today and forever, and is not impartial, he will see you, and he will reward you accordingly. What you sow, you will indeed reap. So then it never changes because he watches over me, and so my service stays consistently faithful because it's for him and not for people. Amen? Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 4 and 2 says this, The one thing required of servants is that they be faithful. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. He came, and this requires us to adjust our attitudes. Jesus willingly sacrificed his life. Can I tell you that if you're going to serve, if you're going to fulfill your purpose, this book, maybe he didn't cover it in a chapter, but there's a price tag associated with fulfilling purpose. You're going to find and discover your purpose. That's going to be exciting. The price tag will come through service and sacrifice. You won't just be able to serve when it's convenient for you. The Lord may call on you to serve when it's inconvenient, may ask you to serve in places you haven't desired to even visit. And God will take you and your life will be much fuller, much more enriched. As you've said, God, it's not what I can consume. It's what I can contribute for your glory and for your people. And so... Here's a challenge that I wanted to issue today to all of us. So if you're here and you're not, you know, you're watching, whenever you're watching this, let me challenge you this. Has your life been impacted? Let me ask you a question. Has your life been impacted, changed, transformed, or benefited at all since you started attending East Hill or visiting, visiting us online? Have the people of East Hill been a blessing to you in any way? If you say yes to that, then I want to challenge you to get involved in some capacity immediately to help us to impact more people by serving. And this is one of the reasons that you exist on the earth is so that you might serve God by serving others. You can go to easthill.org backslash serve right now and fill out the volunteer application and get involved in what God is doing. If you have benefited and been blessed and reconciled and feel the sense of encouragement and just your life has been lifted, then you can get on board with us and help us do it for others as well. So listen, as we close, I'm closing. This is the first of many. No, let me stop. Um, I think that Jesus came, I think the gospel teaches us that Jesus came to serve humanity. And one of the ways he did that is by removing the penalty of sin from our lives. If you're watching right now and you're estranged from the Lord, you've wandered away, you're distant, or you just have never heard the gospel before, The Bible says that Jesus said it this way, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And I know there's a lot of confusion in the culture as to the way to God and spirituality is sort of this blanket blanket statement for whatever you want to do. But the Lord prescribed a way for us to approach and be reconciled to God the Father, and that is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The penalty for our sin was laid on Jesus so that you and I might be set free and reconciled to God the Father. And if that's you this morning, you say, you know, I don't even know how I got. I was on IG or YouTube, and I saw something, and I just clicked into this. That wasn't an accident. That was the Lord saying, I chose you. I love you. I desire you. I have a plan for your life. And you say, what about my past? And he says, I nailed your past, all of your sins, past, present, and future to my cross, if you will but place your faith in my son Jesus. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that he is the Lord to the glory of God the Father you will be saved. So that's as simple as you taking a moment right now and acknowledging who he is and receiving his salvation in your heart. And if you do, get online, get to our building, get in contact with us, and let us know that you made that decision today. For the rest of us, all of us that are part of East Hill as a community of faith, or those of you that are new and trying to find your way, listen, all of us have to find a place of service It is impossible for us to love God and not love other people. It's impossible for us to serve God and not serve others as well. And so one of the things that I'm amazed at is how the Lord took something as simple as cleaning up chairs with a guy almost 30 years ago in my life to unlock his future destiny for me. I would not be sitting here if we didn't start serving somewhere. So you never know where God wants to take you or you never know what gifts yet to be discovered within you that are made manifest as you serve others. So let's bond together as a church. Let's not postpone it, delay it any further. Get online today, easthill.org serve and fill out the volunteer application. Do what is available until the ultimate is revealed to you. And as you do, God will bless your life. Listen, all of you this afternoon are gonna be in your groups and all throughout the week, in your group's journey, and it is a good journey. The, the material is super accessible. I pray, in fact, I'm going to pray before I let you go, again, that there would be an unveiling that God, that's, what, that's literally what supernatural revelation is. It is the Lord unveiling or revealing or pulling back some aspect of his character and nature and allowing us, giving us the sight to be able to see it. And so I'm believing God for supernatural revelation for you. So let's pray together before we go. Father, in Jesus' name, for every man, woman, young person, mother, father in the faith that's listening to me, you have divine purpose for us. And so, Lord, the the devil would seek to debilitate, to limit us, to keep us blinded to the truth of the deposit that you've made within us. You made us a masterpiece and prepared good works for us to walk in. And so, Lord, whether it be an 8-year-old or whether it be an 88-year-old grandmother, it does not matter. And all in between, Lord, you have assigned purpose for us. So, Lord, let us each engage in our purpose with the heart of gratitude, making ourselves available to you always, and just simply serving the way you served us. In Jesus' name. Listen. I don't know. It's been snowing since I've been out here. Now it's raining. I don't know what you're going to do this week. But I pray um, you stay wet. You st- I mean, you stay dry. You stay safe. And uh, we'll see you back in the building next Sunday to worship and praise the Lord. And we're going to get to commission our Rwanda team. Arlen's going to be praying over all of us. And uh, we're heading out to Rwanda to see our babies shortly. So we're going to have a good time in the Word next Sunday. Join us. We love you. Go with God. God's going to go with you.